Mike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Hello and welcome to the Lexicon of Life podcast. Get ready to take time back in your business and become your favorite self in life. Thanks for joining me. This is episode 12, I'm pretty sure. I know that there's been a bit of a wait for this one, so apologies if you've been waiting for this episode. But uh, this is a very special episode for me because it's all about vegan stuff, but not in like the scary, I'm going to put you off kind of way. It's just more about how small businesses can tap into the vegan market, which is this massive and very fast growing market, especially within Australia. So I wanted to chat about that today and how your business can adapt uh, for the vegan market and start to make some real money from those people as well because I know that I go out of my way to spend money at places that have vegan options or vegan products and stuff like that. So definitely something that has been, I think, untapped by a lot of businesses. So I would love to get into that in just a moment. But first, I want to chat about Small Business Corner. So today's Small Business Corner is not actually a business. It is a federal party that I follow, which is the Animal Justice Party. So they have their pillars kind of centered around the people, planet and animals and animal rights. So they try to pass bills and laws through state and federal governments, basically to eradicate things like live exports for like the sheep and stuff. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was some footage about on the news about the sheep that were dying, you know, on the ships because they were just being like cooked in this like 40 degree, 50 degree heat in these um, live exporting ships, basically from Australia to overseas to be killed and, and slaughtered and stuff. And then basically their meat is shipped back to Australia and sold as an Australian product. So the Animal Justice Party kind of look at issues like that, um, puppy farming as well, and basically trying to get rid of animal cruelty altogether. So I highly recommend even just looking them up on Instagram. I think there's like one in every state and there's the federal party as well. So I definitely recommend having a look and seeing if their values align with you. I think um, some of them are kindness, equality, nonviolence, But yeah, they are, and they're really nice and they're really lovely people. So I definitely go and do that when you finish listening to this. Okay, enough of that stuff for now. But the, and now we'll go on to word of the day, which is actually going to be something I think that you will value a lot because I had this conversation with someone the other day and they had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. So our word of the day is actually something that people make the mistake of a lot, which is using me or I Uh, interchangeably within sentences. So, you know, when someone is talking and you're saying, John and me went to the store and someone's like, oh, it's John and I. And it's like, well, yes, actually they're correct because in the circumstances of me or I, 
you need to be able to remove the other person out of the sentence and see if it makes sense. So we'll kind of use that one again. So if it's like, like John and I went to the store today, if you can get rid of John and it makes sense because I just said I went to the store today, right? So that all makes sense. But then people don't really know where to use me when it comes to that. But that's exactly using the same rule that you would with the I. So if I were to say John dropped off the parcel for me and Lily, someone would maybe jump in there and say, oh, Lily and I. But it doesn't make sense because then the sentence would be John dropped off the parcel for I if you got rid of the Lily and So, whereas if you got rid of the Lily and me, it just says John dropped off the parcel for me. So there's your little lesson for today. Just remember when you're using that, I guess, yeah, can I get rid of that person's name before or after? And does it make sense? So there you go, little valuable grammar lesson from Lexicon. So today we're going to be talking about vegan marketing and Uh, things in terms of how the industry has been rising quite rapidly, especially in the last um, two or three years since the pandemic and how the pandemic has influenced uh, veganism in general, as well as the audience and consumer profile and how businesses like yours maybe can adapt to this very lucrative market and what the benefits might be for your business as well. So not just obviously making money, that's the bottom line, but there's more benefits than you might think um, at face value. And then we'll just kind of do a bit of a summation. So, so I want to hit you with some stats because I know um, obviously the vegan market in Australia has grown quite substantially. So according to Euromonitor, between 2015 and 2020, Australia was projected to continue as the third fastest growing vegan market in the world by 9.6%. So those were stats that were predicted back way back in 2015 and the Australian packaged vegan food market was set to reach about $215 million by 2020. And if you go back to 2019, the share price of Beyond Meat, which is a, a US-based meat alternative brand, um, they're massive across the world, they actually rose by 718% in just three months after its IPO, so when they went public on the stock exchange. And actually Bill Gates invested into that business as well, which is, I think it just goes to show that there is a lot of money to be made in the uh, meat substitute market, especially now, as well as egg substitute market. I think that's a stat here. It says it's set to grow by $1.1 billion by 2023, So only a year away from now. So jump on the bandwagon, people, because this train is fucking going. So vegan products are obviously very fast growing in Australia, but it's actually more common for people who are non-vegans to buy these products than actual vegan people. So most of the time, the non-vegans that I'm referring to are flexitarians or pescatarians, so people that traditionally avoid uh, meat in terms of um, poultry, well, chickens, pigs, cows, sometimes fish. So flexitarians go back and forth. Pescatarians are mainly seafood people, like eaters, but they will also kind of go in between a vegetarian diet and use these kinds of meat substitutes to keep the flavour going and keep the memories alive as well. So I'll, I'll touch on that in a little bit. 
So as the industry is rising, of course, it's a pretty healthy looking market as well. The pandemic has only increased this. So these kind of stats are pre-COVID. Like I'm sure that's what everyone refers to like 2019, early 2020 as uh, pre-COVID times because it just feels like a whole fucking different world than we're living in now. But even before COVID, vegetarianism, veganism and flexitarian diets were on the rise anyway because there were mainly concerns around personal health, uh, planetary sustainability and, of course, the ethical treatment of animals, um, which has fueled a lot of people to either cut animals out of their life completely in terms of consuming them and start to look at other ways they can include, like, that veganism, um, animal welfare into their daily lives. So not buying leather, using like makeup products and skincare that is vegan or cruelty-free, and even avoiding things like gelatin. So like lollies, most lollies are mass produced with gelatin, which is actually from an animal product. It's from bones um, in an animal. So they're boiled down basically into this like gelatinous state. So a lot of jellies as well, um, basically anything gelatin is from an animal. So a lot of people are avoiding that now and finding substitutes, which is super easy to find as well. But I think it's interesting that the trend of cutting out meat and animal products in your life stems from the pandemic because it was, you know, it has come from an animal, a lot of pandemics. They've come from some form of animal, like hygiene problems, or the viruses have come from like bird flu, for example, swine flu, like from pigs. So it's kind of interesting that um, with every pandemic, the shift in toward veganism and becoming more plant-based has increased, but it makes sense. So at the moment, I think um, this stat says nearly one in five people within the the United Kingdom, according to a recent survey of more than a thousand UK adults commissioned by Pro Garcia, it actually says they have eaten more vegan or like non-meat foods since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. So that's one in five people in the UK are getting more interested in veganism and vegetarian uh, foods and plant-based foods. And obviously, yeah, the environment is a massive impact as well and climate change in terms of the meat industry and animal agriculture. So there are all these benefits, I guess, for the consumer to start looking at how can I turn my life into more empathetic, more kindness, less harm to animals, less violence, that kind of stuff. So now we're going to turn it on its head and and I'm going to kind of share with you how you can benefit in terms of your business and looking at the exact consumer profile for people that are looking either towards being like vegan curious or vegetarian curious, wanting to adapt more vegan like things into their lives, such as uh, eating less meat, traveling by foot or bike, stuff like that you know, bringing in more empathy into their lives just on a daily basis. It doesn't have to have anything to do with food, but just like the way that you do things, being environmentally conscious, uh, recycling a lot more, using the green bin. I personally, I use my um, hard rubbish or my my refuse bin. Maybe I take it out once a month uh, because I don't actually use that much actual rubbish. Most of my stuff actually goes to my um, the Red Cycle program, which is through Coles, they basically take all of your plastic, your soft plastics, so bread bags, pasta bags, 
anything to do with like wrapping, especially if it comes from Coles, that most of the things that they have in their packaging has the red cycle label on it. I just put it back into my toilet paper bag, like the big toilet paper plastic bag. And I just put everything in there, like chips, everything, literally cling wrap, whatever you can think of. That's a soft plastic that's clean. Like just wash it out, pop it in the bag. And then you take that big fucking bag to Coles, dump it in the bins at the front and that's it. And I also use my green little bench top bin for almost everything as well. So paper towel, tissues, toothpicks, my like biodegradable like cups that you get nowadays, especially at a lot of coffee shops, they have the biodegradable compostable cups, all of the biopack, you know, forks and, and cutlery and stuff like that too. You can put that in the green bin. You can actually put pizza boxes in the green bin, like your bigger bin if there's uh, grease or food stains on it. So um, all of that is completely compostable. So if you've got food stains on cardboard, definitely put that in the green bin, not in the yellow bin. Anywho, let's get back into how you can, I guess, look at the audience profile. So there's three kind of pillars within the vegan product and consumer profile. So one of them is high income earners. So they are people that obviously can afford more premium products and are willing to pay more for high quality products like sustainable or green or clean or cruelty free stuff. Uh, the other profile is younger consumers who are actually looking at fresh and healthy foods and wanting to be just more active within their life and get those new products as well. So they're very more, I guess that's the consumer that's more open-minded and to like wanting to try new things rather than being stuck in their ways or aligned with a particular brand or a purpose. So they're kind of just wanting to try a little bit of everything. And the third um, audience or consumer profile is parents of young children who actually are, I guess, more advocating for uh, healthy cooking at home and spending more quality time with the family and more inclined to educate themselves on particular issues. So instead of, you know, I guess following trends within the media or their parents, maybe they're looking at things from a different perspective and how they might want to raise their kids differently. So those are the three content, those um, consumer profiles that you want to be targeting within your business if you are a vegan business or you're wanting to add vegan options within your own products or services. So you've got higher income earners, you've got young consumers and you've got parents of young children. So there's quite a few there, which is quite good. And the, especially within the young consumers, Gen Z is actually going to be one of the biggest generations yet. So there's a lot of babies <laughs> that have been born into Gen Z. So, and I guess that generation is going to be one of the biggest ones and obviously they're upcoming consumers. So they're going to start entering the workforce. I know my sister is a Gen Z, she's 15 She's just now started getting into work. So these young people, they have money to spend. So it's stupid not to add in something vegan or plant-based within your own business because you're missing out on free money there. So now I can kind of get into how you're a small business can adapt to this lucrative market. So essentially you need to look at your products. So whatever you kind of offer, whether that is, um, say you're a nail technician a lot of the dip powders and SNS and um, shellac and all that, they actually have animal products in there. So a lot of people don't know that, but a lot of the colors, especially the reds come from particular animals that have been like crushed up and stuff like that to create this very artificial color. So there's heaps of vegan brands out there now that do SNS nails, acrylics. And so if you're like a nail tech, for example, you might want to ask your supplier 
what their options are if they have vegan options or do your own like bit of research and just look up um, vegan SNS wholesale or something like that. So there's a lot of different ways that you can adapt this kind of thing, especially if you're a product-based business into your business. And it's not actually going to be that expensive because like I mentioned with um, the high income earner profile, especially they have disposable income and they're looking to spend on vegan products rather than they'll actually go somewhere else. Most likely like I, I know that I do my research and I will go to somewhere that has facials that, you know, all of their products are vegan and cruelty free. So I'll do my research because we have information at our fingertips now more than ever. So it's easier to actually be convinced, oh, I'm not going to go to that person to get a facial because I know their products aren't going to be vegan or cruelty free in comparison to this other person. So you actually, you have the opportunity to lose money if you don't adapt to this massive market that's just growing. And especially in South Australia, like the market is massive here for vegans. I know that I'm a part of a few Facebook groups uh, like Vegans of Adelaide and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's like thousands and thousands of people on there. So it only goes to show just how important that stuff is. And we'll touch on uh, that kind of word of mouth marketing in a moment. But if you ask your suppliers, basically you're putting the demand out there because no one's going to know what, like what the consumers want, especially suppliers until you put it out there to them and tell them, this is what people are asking for. Can you offer this for my business or for the products? Also knowing the difference between cruelty free and vegan is pretty important as well. So cruelty free means that the product was developed without any testing on animals, which is also very important to have but uh, vegan of uh, having a vegan product means that the product does not include any animal derived ingredients so if you're vegan and cruelty free there is a difference and if it's just cruelty free it means that the product may actually contain an animal byproduct or some part of an animal in any way uh, whereas if it's not cruelty free but it's vegan it can still be vegan because it's not containing any animal product in there but it may have been tested on animals so yeah in that sense there's a bit of a debate obviously whether that means it's vegan or not I don't think it does mean it's vegan because then if it was tested on animals it's kind of like cancelled out the whole vegan products in there so always look for cruelty free and vegan if you are wanting to get into that kind of market so I guess even the act of asking your supplier does set the wheels in motion. So I definitely recommend if that's something you wanted to get into, just ask around because there's no harm in asking. And if you get, you know, if you're told, no, we don't offer that and we will never offer that, which is so stupid, <laughs> by the way, um, just shop around. I mean, you don't need to be tied down to one person, but that's if you really want to include this kind of thing in your business. So it's totally your prerogative. Do what you got to do. So if you're wanting to add, so say you're a food and hospitality based business and you're a cafe or a restaurant and you want to add a vegan option or plant-based option to your menu, I would first suggest asking your audience, asking the people that come into your business, asking online on your socials, putting up polls, stories, whatever, and asking people what they would want to see as the vegan option or if they would want a vegan option because I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, most people want at least a vegan option on the menu. I know that when I go out with my friends who are all omnivores, they're all meat eaters, they always say to me, 
you pick the place because you're the vegan and you need to be able to eat something, not just have a side of chips and some green veggies. So most of the time, seriously, if you're a food and hospitality based business and you do not have a vegan food option, if you do offer food and you don't have a vegan option, you are probably missing out on so many customers and bookings because you don't offer the option. You actually don't know it because people look at your menu online and they don't even interact with you or call you up and say, what's the vegan option. If it's not clearly written on the menu, people most of the time will not even bother booking or even trying to see if you have something where you can make something. Cause they don't want to make a fuss. Like I would, I wouldn't want to do that. I try to avoid ringing up those places as much as possible because I do not want to be a burden. I don't want to feel like, Oh, I'm being that vegan person because there's such a stigma around vegans. Obviously like I even start like I struggle sometimes to say to people, oh, I'm a vegan or they offer me like a piece of cheese on the platter and I'm like, oh, I can't like, and I'm just like, oh, I don't eat cheese <laughs> because I'm vegan. Like, And they're like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, I just said I didn't want the cheese and you're just like trying to force it down my throat. Just fucking leave me alone. But if you are wanting to offer something that's a vegan option within your business, I would highly recommend asking the people because that's, you know, the kind of person that you want. Or even just signing up to those Facebook groups, Vegans of Adelaide or Australian Vegans and, and looking at maybe what other restaurants offer as well. Or just asking out there, hey, like I run a Mexican burrito shop, for example, and we only do like chicken and, and pig and like cow stuff, whatever. So I would love to add a vegan thing in there. What should I do? Blah, blah, blah. Most people will say, yeah, do it. Love it. Sounds good. Sometimes it's a better option. It's actually tastier than the meat stuff. But the next kind of pillar I want to hit on is how to market those particular, <laughs> those particular items, especially when it comes to food. So there's some, I was doing a bit of research just before, and it turns out there's a few different words that people don't like to hear when there's a vegan option, especially vegans as well, I guess. Like it can be quite interesting because you want to target the vegan market, obviously, but you want to target meat eaters and, and omnivores and flexitarians as well, but not put them off. So most people don't want to hear that their food is healthy, especially when you're eating out. You know, you can eat healthy at home, but when you're out, you want to indulge, you want it to taste good. You want to be spending your money on something that is going to be memorable. It's going to be nice and it's going to be tasty. So most of the time avoiding words like vegan or healthy or clean is actually better for your business than using words like flavorful, tasty, delicious, indulgent, and also harnessing on the origin of those flavors. So if you've got particular herbs and spices in there, it might be Indian or Mexican or Cuban or something like that. You can actually use those particular words of origin into your new dish. So for example, the burrito thing, let's stick with that. Instead of saying clean vegan burrito or an alternative to that, you can actually say just, you can just say Mexican bean burrito. So that way you're explaining the origin, which is Mexican, the bean, which is the ingredient, and the burrito, which is what the dish is. So rather than saying like clean vegan, you know, that kind of, to me, that actually sounds gross. <laughs> like I would not eat it because it sounds like it's packed with kale and quinoa and shit and I don't like that stuff anyway. But if I'm eating a burrito, I want it to be tasty, I want it to be filling, and I want it to be just moorish and, and really fucking good. So you got to harness on the flavors and stuff like that rather than saying it's clean or healthy or vegan. 
So there's a hot little tip for you there. And you can also be clever and really cheeky with the, you know, when you're, when you're marketing to vegans, like vegans aren't as like PC as the media makes us out to be. Like I saw something the other day and, and they were like, oh, vegans are trying to change the word, the phrase bringing home the bacon. I'm like, no one fucking cares about bringing home the bacon. And no one actually says that anymore anyway, but it's so stupid. Like they're just trying to put some sort of demonized look on, on vegans. And it's, I think it's hilarious because it's, it's really reaching, <laughs> but you can be cheeky with that stuff. So if you were to use that, for example, and you have, um, you know, fake bacon on your menu, for example, with one of your like plant-based burgers, you could say bringing home the fake or something like that. You could actually be really cheeky with it. There's a few ads actually that have been used, um, especially with the got milk thing, like the dairy industry push about 15 years ago, those ads were everywhere with the milk massage. So now I think it was Chobani that actually did their oat milk launch or the almond milk launch. And they called it the almost milk massage. And they basically had a bunch of people with the creamy, frothy milk moustache on their face and they're holding like the jug of, um, I think it's oat milk. Yeah. But they're, they're holding the oat milk carton and yeah, it's, I think that stuff is really clever and it's good marketing because you're still harnessing in on what people used to think was healthy and good for the planet and good for people. But now obviously values are changing and we have more information and we're able to see, I guess the living conditions as well for animals. So people are becoming more conscious about that as well as health conscious. So we can start to kind of flip those old ads on their head in a way and use it to our advantage to start to promote vegan and and plant-based and vegetarian options, which I think is really cool. But in saying that, don't over-exaggerate. Like don't try to really do the hard full-on sell with vegans because sometimes it's just too pushy. Just be open and honest at the end of the day. Like just say, yes, this is made from plants But this is just for food as well that I'm speaking to. Um, Obviously, if you have products and stuff, you need to be super clear on where it's come from and if it is vegan and cruelty-free or not. So there's all these things. And then I guess using those marketing terms to your advantage as well because people are going to seek out those things. Like I know when I go into Mecca to get my skincare, I look for the first two things I look for in skincare and in my makeup as well is is it vegan and is it cruelty-free? And I actually sometimes stand in Mecca looking at makeup brands, for example, and I looked at NARS pretty recently and they used to be um, cruelty-free and now they're not cruelty-free. I think they test on animals again now, but I'm not too sure right at this minute if they do or not. But you can really easily just look up online makeup brands that are cruelty-free and there actually will be lists, those brands, the skincare brands and makeup brands that, that actually do still test on animals. I think oh, I don't want to name names now because I might get it wrong, but we'll happily add a list into um, the blog post that will come with this podcast So and some links as well. So I'll add some into the show notes too for you to have a look at. But um, there's still heaps of businesses, unfortunately, that do test on animals and in Australia as well, which you might think it would have been banned. But I think the stat is around 20 million animals are tested on for makeup and skincare in Australia, like within one year. So that's 20 million animals, which is just crazy, especially the fact that it's not just like rabbits and mice and stuff. It's actually 
on some native Australian animals too, which is quite sad. So definitely start to look at how you can adapt cruelty-free and vegan into your business, even in a small way would be cool because then you can actually use it. So then you can kind of go into the marketing side of adding it on your socials, putting it on your website, in the product descriptions, all of that stuff. And you can actually start to utilize that as your niche but it's not a niche where you're kind of closing yourself down to other opportunities. You're just opening yourself up to other brands or to other people, I should say. But yeah, you are opening yourself up to the next market, which would be myself and the growing industry or the growing consumers within industry. So there's so much to do with it. There's It's like ridiculous. And I'm sure that there's more vegan brands popping up, especially with whatever you do within your business. So definitely get onto that. Let's dive right into the benefits of adding in the vegan stuff for your business. So I've already spoken about how you can market it, but there's things like the word of mouth marketing, which is huge, absolutely fucking huge in the vegan community. So like I said before, we have all these Facebook groups, especially in Adelaide, and there would be some around Australia, like in every single capital city, in every single state, there will be a vegan Facebook group. I can assure you of that. No matter how big or small it is, it fucking matters because they're people that are willing to spend the money at vegan places or people that have vegan options. So word of mouth marketing is massive. The vegan community is very tight knit as well. So we often will listen to someone that's vegan over someone that's omnivore or a meat eater to go somewhere because Obviously, they've had the experience, you know, the journey with that particular brand or customer or consumer, whatever. Like, they have lived it. They talk about it because we have to talk about it. And, yeah, you end up believing it. So whether it's a good or bad experience, it will be shared trust on that. The next kind of benefit is obviously there's an exposure to new and the growing consumer body. And uh, you can also follow like trends that align with your business in terms of um, like the vegan and cruelty free based stuff too. So definitely keep on those and yeah, you won't lose clients. If you add an extra option, I can assure you, you won't scare anyone off if it's like that fucking old white man that you piss off. Like, so what? Obviously they're no good for your business anyway, because they're not the ones that are going around talking about how great your business is and you should go here and blah, blah, blah. He's just doing his thing because out of habit. Whereas like someone if like me, if I went somewhere and I had a really great experience at a restaurant or a business or wherever, I would tell people, everyone, I would tell everyone, not just the vegan community. I would tell my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my boyfriend, my friends, my soccer mates, everyone is going to fucking hear about it because if I had a good experience, they're going to know. If I had a bad experience, they're going to know even more because then I'll be super duper pissed off about it. There's one particular experience that my soccer mates will know of, of this pizza that I had at this particular restaurant. I'm not going to name names, but it was absolutely horrendous and it took over 90 minutes to get to my table and it looked like a fucking, it just was disgusting. I just didn't even touch it because it was gross. Anyway, and this was two years ago. That's how vivid that memory is. So if you get it wrong and get it right, someone's going to be talking about it. So best believe you're just going to get it right. Get it right the first time, you'll be right by asking around. And another benefit, of course, is that you're adding that focus and that shift to putting the needs of animals before yourself, the people and planet as well. So there's all these different factors that 
there's all these different reasons as well why people go vegan. So mine was to, I actually had my third year vegan anniversary last Saturday as well, which was very exciting. This is probably why I'm talking about it because it's very fresh in my mind. But um, for me, turning vegan, I really wanted to do it for my health. I wanted to do it for the environment because I'm quite environmentally conscious and um, a bit of a green person. And of course, for the animals. So I kind of just started watching heaps of Netflix documentaries and educating myself in other ways as well, not just Netflix. But uh, that was the launch pad for me to, you know, start eating vegan. And I didn't even say I'm going to become a vegan. I just kind of said, I'm going to try it for two weeks. I'm going to eat vegan and, and see how I go and eat plant-based. And I just basically never looked back. And that was like, that was like four weeks before Christmas <laughs> in uh, 2018. Yeah. 2018. So yeah. So my mom was not too happy about that because she's like, what the fuck do you mean? You're a vegan. You're four, it's four weeks out from Christmas. Are you okay in the head? So <laughs> still get asked that. I'll probably get asked that this Christmas as well, but you're doing something for the planet, for the people and the animals. So benefits all around. It's really a win-win situation. I don't understand if why people would think that adding anything vegan into your business would be harmful to your business in any way. I really, really, really highly doubt it. So there's some ways that you can market it, especially national days. Um, coming up is Veganuary. So January is Veganuary, which is basically encouraging people to try and go vegan or at least eat more vegan meals or eat less meat throughout the month of January. Uh, Meatless May is also a big one. So obviously, again, it's a bit of an initiative to eat less meat within the month of May. Uh, World Vegan Day is on the 1st of November, so that would have just gone. And World Vegan Month was actually in November. So yeah, there's all these different kind of national holidays that you can tie your vegan product or food to or whatever, or you could have a discount or a little bit of a rate, stuff like that. You know, there's all these different ways that you can market it, but I'm sure that I will create another episode where you can specifically, we'll talk about how to market those particular things because we're going a bit over time here. I said it would be half an hour, so I hope that is half an hour for you, but if not, that's fine as well. I'm sure you're still listening. (laughs) So that is the end of this one I'm pretty sure um yeah I'm just going to wrap it up here now I wanted to take this opportunity to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Ghana people the traditional custodians of these lands and waters where we live and work and we continue to pay our respects to elders past present and emerging as always the advice is general in nature on this podcast and based on my own personal experiences so take it with a pinch of salt and apply it to your own life as needed Thank you so much for listening to episode 12. Next week, episode 13 is the final episode for the season, season one. So next season, season two, I've actually got a lot of guests lined up. I'm very excited to share that with you a bit closer to the date, probably in 2022. So I'll be launching season two then. I'm going to take a nice little break over Christmas from doing podcasting and just focus on spending time with family, friends and my partner and just chill the fuck out because it's been a crazy ass year, (laughs) but it's been awesome. I really, really do appreciate everyone that has listened to any episode on the Lexicon of Life podcast. I'm sure next year you'll get even more out of it because we'll be talking to a hell of a lot of small business owners and big business owners, actually pretty exciting. I can't wait to share that particular one with you. Yeah, we'll be sharing all of that next season, but please stay tuned 
head to my Instagram page, Lexicon Copywriting, uh, Facebook, website, whatever. You can also follow my personal account, which is alexia.eleni. I do all kinds of stuff in terms of um, body positivity, body liberation. Uh, I curve model on the side as well. So all different kinds of stuff. And I work with some awesome brands um, that I truly love. So head to my Instagram and my personal page as well. Thank you so much. It has been an incredible opportunity to chat with you today. And I hope that you got something out of this, whether it was for your business or for your own personal life. If you ever have any questions about veganism or any curiosities, please feel free to DM me. I love to talk about it, obviously. I also wanted to add in a little extra thing right at the end of my podcasts, which I actually got from my yoga teacher um, last week, which I thought was awesome. Um, We did some affirmations. So there's three affirmations that I want you to say with me if you are comfortable and are alone, if you feel. So the three affirmations are, I am enough, I am worthy, and I am alive. So I would love for you to repeat those if you can, or at least just say it in your mind, because it is so important to shape the narrative within our brains and our limiting beliefs. And I feel that if we even say it out loud or look in the mirror and say it, it could be twice even more powerful than we can imagine. So I hope that you can say that to yourself at least once today. Again, thank you so much. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review. I would love to read it. It really does make my day. Best wishes and warmest regards. Ciao for now.